You might have seen this video that went viral back in the beginning of December. In it, you see an Amazon delivery driver walk up to a front door in a Delaware subdivision to deliver a package. And then he spots the treats. Oh, this is nice! Snacks, drinks, a whole basket of things laid out for drivers like him. Oh, this is sweet! Oh, wow! He celebrates. He does a little happy dance. And we can see all of this because the homeowner, the one who put out the snacks to begin with, had a Ring smart doorbell. The video went on Facebook, local news picked it up, and millions of people shared it as a heartwarming holiday story. The driver, Kareem Reed, told Yahoo News that he didn't know about the video till he heard about it from his boss, but that he was surprised and humbled by the whole thing. I was thinking about this video and videos like it when we called up reporter Caroline Haskins. She wrote a series of investigative stories about Ring, the smart doorbell company, for Vice. She says videos like this are key for the company. Capturing these so-called wholesome moments is actually one of two-pronged approach to Ring's social media marketing. So on one hand, they want to be able to catch people who appear to have been deterred from stealing a package or committing some sort of crime. And on the other hand, they like to capture kids on camera, animals on camera, and wholesome moments like these. I wanted to know if Caroline, who's been writing about Ring for the past year, saw a heartwarming story or if she saw something else. It's been customary for a long time to tip or provide some sort of holiday gift for people that are serving your neighborhood all year round. But it's a wholly new thing to capture that on a surveillance camera without their consent, post it without their permission, and then use that in a way to get clout online and then have that co-opted by a private company as a way to sell their products. I don't see it as a straightforward, wholesome video. I think it's I think it's sort of hard to see it that way, but it's it makes it sort of sad because it was, you know, some genuine happiness captured on camera, but I guess sort of the subtext for that is a little bit overwhelming for me. I mean, just personally. Caroline has been digging into Ring, looking at the company's origins, its partnerships with police departments, and its focus on the suburbs. She's read thousands of emails to and from the company, filed hundreds of public records requests. So when she looks at videos like these, she sees more than just the surface images. Today on the show, how Ring went from a smart home gadget to a tool in a widening surveillance network owned by one of the richest companies in the world. I'm Lizzie O'Leary, and this is What Next TBD, a show about technology, power, and how the future will be determined. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? 
That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Before Ring was serving up viral videos and recording front porches across the country, it was a different product with a different name. And like so many other tech products, the story of Ring is tied up with the ambitions and outlook of the company's founder. Let's go back and talk about how this company started. So tell me about the founder. Who is he? What was he trying to create? The founder of Ring is uh, Jamie Seminoff. And Probably one of the most interesting things about Ring is that it wasn't founded or created as a home security company. So Jamie Siminoff originally came up with this idea for DoorBot in the early 2010s. Introducing DoorBot, the wireless video doorbell that links directly to your smartphone. The whole idea for DoorBot was a pretty straightforward smart doorbell camera. DoorBot lets you see and speak with whomever is at your front door. And this was a part of this company that he was working on called Edison Jr. So the whole idea is you come up with a lot of little products and you see which ones succeed. And so this one, they really started to like dedicate their resources into like crowdfunding and raising money for it. And then it was sort of hemorrhaging money. They appeared on Shark Tank. Sharks. Wouldn't it been nice to know who was behind the door before you let me in? Where actually they didn't end up getting an investment. Uh, One of the sharks made an offer, but they turned it down. But they got funding after Shark Tank, even though they didn't get it from Shark Tank, right? Right. Basically, I think Jamie Siminoff said something to the effect of appearing on Shark Tank was the equivalent of $10 million in advertising money. So at that point, they were starting to raise venture capital money and they were having some success with that. And as they were sort of floating towards some sort of better financial situation than they were before, it wasn't a completely stable situation still. So that's what sort of like led them to this rebrand. In 2014, DoorBot relaunched as Ring. Its design was updated to be more sleek, and the messaging around the product changed too. The early advertisements for DoorBot are really focused on this idea of convenience and being able to lounge by the pool and answer the door while you're lounging by the pool and let people into your home. But some of the early advertisements for Ring, it shows like burglars breaking into a home. And so his whole pitch is that by installing a Ring doorbell camera, you can see someone who is scoping out your house for a robbery. And by speaking to them through the doorbell, you can deter that from happening. So the whole idea behind Ring, as opposed to DoorBot, was that your neighborhood is fundamentally unsafe and you need this mediator between your family and the outside world, which is the Ring doorbell, in order to secure yourself and secure your family. You also wrote about the fact that, frankly, these devices have become really popular. 
what did people who owned them tell you they liked about them? So I understand where certain people were coming from with buying these doorbell cameras. I, I spoke to one person who said, you know, I'm disabled. I have a hard time getting to the door quickly, and I like seeing who's there. Um, I've heard from people who said that, you know, my house was broken into, someone was stalking my sister, I travel for business a lot. Everybody has different reasons for wanting these types of doorbell cameras. You also talked to some pastors in Baltimore where their neighborhood, frankly, had a pretty contentious relationship with the police, and they felt like this was something that could help them feel safer. Right, right. So some people feel as if they're out of options, and Ring offers this sort of individualist approach where you take matters into your own hands, where you buy this product and you put it on your own doorstep and you can sort of catch people red-handed, so to speak. And this is what happened with some of the people from Baltimore that I spoke with. People have described feeling unsafe in their homes, feeling like they can't they can't leave or they can't afford to move neighborhoods. And so if they can't trust the police, which in Baltimore, there's a really, really long history of mistrust between the people that live there and the police department, I mean, they've been, the, the police department has been found by the Department of Justice to, you know, perpetuate civil rights violations. Yeah. So basically, Ring swoops in and says, well, we have a proven track record of reducing and deterring crime in neighborhoods. So they think, well, why not? Why not sort of like take matters into our own hands and protect ourselves? And that seems to be sort of a common theme in people who have these doorbell cameras, the idea of like wanting to protect yourself and like your individual family unit. According to Caroline, it's not clear whether Ring actually deters crime. There's no peer-reviewed evidence to back up the company's claims. But Ring says it does cut crime, not just in its marketing to the public, but in what it tells another important group police departments. So for several years, a pretty significant part of Ring's marketing strategy has been to appeal to police departments. I think the total number right now is either approaching or it might have surpassed 700 at this point. Agencies they work with? Yes. So when I say partnership, I mean that Ring and local police departments usually, sometimes it's at even the county level, will sign a contract saying, the police department will get access to this tool that lets them request footage directly from residents. And, you know, they have to give permission in order to hand footage over to police, but they don't have to go through the typical process of getting a warrant to request footage from people. And in return, a certain percentage of the contracts say that police have to engage with the community um, and encourage adoption of both ring cameras and the neighbor's platform. The Neighbors Platform is Ring's social media app. It serves as a kind of central hub for Ring users. The app provides crime and safety alerts in real time from neighbors and the local police. So I've gotten emails between Ring and several police departments that have said that the law enforcement portal, which is what police use to request footage from people, it's more useful the more people use the Ring camera. So for police, it makes sense to want to have as many security or surveillance cameras that you can tap in as possible. But Ring is explicitly telling police that this tool that allows them to do that easily is going to be useful under the condition that they promote Ring products. Hmm. 
how do police forces end up promoting ring products? Are they going out to the community and saying, hey, this thing will make you safer? So in some cases, they're uh, distributing download links for neighbors on their official social media channels. In some cases, police departments have received like free ring products, which they've given away either through raffles or certain types of games where the whole idea is, I guess, you're building community engagement and the prize is a free surveillance camera. I've seen some cities, uh, Green Bay it was, that had a bunch of cameras that it loaned out to the public and the police technically owned both the cameras and all of the footage that was captured on the cameras. So I think an important thing to remember about these partnerships is that it makes sense for Ring to want to, you know, have people on their side that at least some people associate with solving or addressing crime. And from police's perspective, it makes sense to want to have a channel to ask people for footage. But also, even if a person says no, they can reach out to Ring and say, please preserve this footage. And they'll go through legal channels um, in order to like officially like subpoena or get the footage in some other kind of way. By the nature of having a doorbell camera, you're establishing a pretty clear pathway for police to be able to request that footage. There's another concern about the footage. Hacking. In one well-publicized story from Tennessee, hackers broke into a ring camera installed in a bedroom and actually spoke to children. Ring has since encouraged its users to add two-factor authentication and to be careful with their passwords. I asked Caroline if the ring owners she spoke to understood the potential for something like a hack to happen. Like most Internet of Things products or smart home products, um, they are vulnerable to events just like this. And among the tens of thousands of emails that I've read between Ring and police departments and internal discussions of police officers, you know, talking about Ring, not in one city, not in one email did I see a police officer raise questions about how secure these devices were or how easy it was to hack them. But it's a really real risk. And, you know, the the case that you mentioned in Tennessee, I mean, those were used to like mock and terrorize families who had put cameras inside of their homes, you know, targeting literal children. It's just, it's very ironic that people, you know, install these cameras because they are afraid and they think it will make them safer. And that is just deployed against them in probably the most cruel possible way. Caroline says that there are two things that differentiate Ring from other home security companies. First, their partnerships with police. Second, their relationship to one of the most powerful technology companies in the world. Let's shift to talking about Amazon and their ownership here. I think a lot of people don't know that Amazon owns Ring. How did that happen? Right. So Amazon acquired Ring in early 2018. And Amazon uh, had an Alexa venture capital fund, and it had been investing in Ring in some time. Um, And so I guess I think it's important to think of Amazon acquiring Ring in two ways. So one... Ring is, a, is compatible with Alexa smart home products. So it can be integrated with, I don't know, the Echo Dot, smart plugs, pretty much any smart home device that Amazon offers. So the whole idea is that Ring doorbell cameras can be one node in that larger smart home ecosystem that Amazon wants to offer. And the other thing to keep in mind is that 
I mean, package theft means that Amazon loses money. Hmm. So even though we don't have proof that, you know, ring doorbell cameras can reliably prevent or reduce package theft, it could at least appear that the company is being proactive about this or like providing some sort of product to address this issue that is very real for the company. I guess the idea is that you're, if you're a loyal Amazon customer and you have a lot of smart home products and you also have Amazon Prime and you're getting a lot of packages to your doorstep, Ring could be a part of your home that both integrates with other parts of your home and helps protect the packages that are coming to your doorstep. It feels a little bit like we're in a moment of pushback against Ring. Civil rights groups have been doing that. They've asked Congress to investigate. And then reporters like you have written several pieces that have exposed flaws in the company. Are we at a moment where people are questioning the consequences of something like Ring? I think I think it's hard to say. I mean, we are seeing this pushback, but we're also seeing the amount of partnerships between Ring and police grow, I mean, nearly daily. It's really not faltering to to any degree that I can see. And it has pretty much all of the resources of Amazon at its disposal um, and the ability to have a giant banner ad on its website advertising Black Friday deals. You know, Ring isn't the cheapest home security camera, but it is a midline product that is advertised, promoted, and marketed very heavily. It started out being marketed on Shark Tank, and then gradually it moved to being marketed by law enforcement. And it's also a mainstay on TV, on podcasts. It frequently has ads on Fox News, HGTV. It had ads on the Ben Shapiro podcast. Its reach is really, really deep and multi-pronged. If a company like Amazon is promoting a product like Ring, and law enforcement is promoting products like Ring, I think the important thing for consumers to ask themselves is, is this in my best interest? And is this in my community's best interest? What kind of community are we building where there's a surveillance camera on every doorstep and anyone that appears on camera is either suspicious or not suspicious? What kind of life and community partnerships are we building through that? Caroline Haskins, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Caroline Haskins is a technology reporter at BuzzFeed. Okay, that's the show. What Next TBD is produced by Ethan Brooks and hosted by me, Lizzie O'Leary. And it's part of the larger What Next family. Mary Harris and the regular What Next team are off next week, but we will be back in your feeds with a new episode on Friday the 27th. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. Thanks for listening. Talk to you all next week.